Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Ghosts of Harrenhal. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 156 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today we'll be discussing chapter 12 of The Storm of Swords, that's Tyrion 2. And as you know by now, we're going to chat about the chapter. We're going to try not to spoil any future plot points for you. Hopefully, we're going to provide you some entertainment along the way. We'll summarise what happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the television show, indulge in a little pedantry and cover some relevant news and listener correspondence. Be sure to check out the show notes, that'll provide you some additional information that'll help you if you're not reading along. How are you, McKelly? I'm doing just fine. How are you, my friend? I'm not too bad. Good, I'm not good, too bad. Good, I'm good. getting ready to, um, I'm going to go visit my family for yes. the first time in three and a half years, four years. Right. Um, That's fantastic. So we're, we're, we're getting ready. Carson bought um, plastic bags that have a seal and then a little gate, a little valve on yep. them and you can pump the air out. Right. Yes, I've seen, I've never used one myself, but I've seen them in videos and such. It, it turned my it turned my clothes into like a little brick. <laughs> <laughs> it's really quite cool. It's yeah. like it's it's a quarter of the size it was, and it's like really packed. I'm like, oh, that's great. I, I was saying I didn't want to take the pump because the pump was too big, but one just my clothes it, it justified its volume. The pump. I just saw a video on it last night, actually, on the old Instagram, and the. Uh, the person who was talking about it is a, a travel person named Samantha Brown, who I've been a fan of for a long time. She was saying she doesn't like to do it on her way out. She uses it for her dirty clothes, compresses her dirty clothes, because on because it has a tendency to make your clothes wrinkly. But I, I don't know that that will uh, affect you the way that uh, it probably affects her. As she is a professional travel person. We did talk about (laughs) taking a couple of spares for dirty clothes. Because it's kind of nice, the idea you could just pump that and have a little brick of dirty clothes that you have to worry about. absolutely. That being said, we're going for three weeks and um, we're taking six changes of clothes. So the dirty clothes are going to have to come out of the bag and get cleaned a couple of times. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) It's just those final bits of dirty clothes on the last few days. So you've got five goals written down here. Oh yeah, I played I played soccer the other day, and I I scored five goals in a game. You did, or your team did? I did, and and I hit the crossbar twice oh, in the same game. Wow, as well. double hat trick almost! Almost, they were flying in. It was very strange behavior. Is it the same team that you played so terribly for? No, no. lower level, oh, lower level. Okay. But still, I mean, I don't normally score these kinds of these kinds of holes of goals, so, so it was very very strange. It was like the eight and unders. Shush now. <laughs> Did you have more about your travel? I feel like I cut you off. Oh no, no. Wait, I was the one thing I was going to say was that um, the last part of the travel is when I'm with my family, so I will get the opportunity to do some. Oh right, sure. Think, yes, so yes. That, that's that's nice. I won't have to come home with a huge bag of dirty clothes. 
Yes. But because we're trying to go with only hand luggage for a three-week trip. so <laughs> that is a, That's an ambitious move, my friend. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, See if we man. can pull that off. Well, our big news around this house is that uh, Molly started 11th grade today and first day that she drove herself to school. So Good grief. <laughs> I know, right? And it wouldn't have figured... Um, you know, Facebook, I know you don't have Facebook, but it does this memories thing where it shows you like on this date in this year, you posted this and 14 years ago, I posted a video of little two-year-old Molly dancing like crazy to Michael Jackson's thriller in our old, the kitchen of our old house. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this little girl drove herself to school and to, uh, to her theater training that she's at right now. (sighs) I tell you. I forget sometimes how, how sappily sentimental you are. Uh, I never forget because I'm constantly <laughs> sappily sentimental. <laughs> I mean, I am too. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely capable of it. But you you just have it in spades. I real. I wish I didn't so much because it it comes back to haunt me at times. <laughs> yeah. I I wonder if the, I wonder if the Facebook machine sort of like exacerbates it because I don't get those I I see them occasionally over Carson's shoulder and I'm like oh how sweet kind of thing right right, right. because I don't look at it myself I'm I'm never exposed to it and so I I've developed a, a hard shell of uncaring unfeeling <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so the the trick is I need to stay off Facebook no, I'm just it. saying although one of us has to do it. <laughs> for the fans that's right so uh if i if i ask you something that uh one of our mutual friends referenced today when she asked how you were doing uh if it if it's not appropriate for uh prime time just let me know and we can edit this out but okay. she she asked me how you were doing we were just gabbing our, our friend uh our very good mutual friend Zena. I I didn't even have to ask who it was. Okay. I knew who this was going to be <laughs> because 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 if it's an inappropriate question, it had to come from Zena. That would be the person who would have voiced this. She she and I were she was asking asking how you're doing, and I said you're Simon. You're doing you're doing well because you are you. And um, and then I can't remember what brought it up, but she mentioned something about I think the last time you guys were talking or something, you told her that something about taking graduation photos or videos but accidentally not oh did i not tell that no story? you didn't oh. and i was like i am asking him this on the show she's like no oh don't God. i don't know if it's allowed or i was like it's simon i'm gonna ask him <laughs> did i really not tell that story i that, don't that's a great story if i it's... did if, if you did i've totally forgotten so i apologize to everyone else if you've already heard this story so uh, yeah, Lucas had his high school graduation, and it was down at the uh, uh, convention center, right, right, yeah, big auditorium kind of thing. So I took, I took, I have, I have a decent camera, and I took said decent camera. You do, Very and nice. I put the zoom lens on because he was going to be a hundred yards away at least. And I, uh-huh. I zoomed in, and I practiced on all of the kids prior to him, and he came up, and I snap, 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 took all these. When I got home. I discovered that whilst I had put a memory card in there, I had not housed it properly. Oh, no. Not a single photo was taken. Oh, no. 
Oh, that's that's not even. I shouldn't even be laughing. That's that's tragic. Uh, no, it's 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 totally fine. I'm not very sentimental. I've already forgotten. I don't care. My wife has not forgotten. I she bet. Is acutely aware <laughs> of my. Oh, that's why she the, needed to be taking them as well. So you had redundancy yeah. there. The real kicker was there were a couple of families near us who I knew. So when their kid got up, I went, and I said, I'll send you those. And then I had to send them an email saying, <laughs> I blew it. I totally no, blew it. I won't. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's uh, what she was talking. She talked about that like I knew what she was talking about. And I was like, I have no idea what you mean. But I am absolutely going to ask him tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, would, I wonder if I actually did filter that out because it was too painful at the time. Not not for me. I mean, again, I have no feelings, so I don't really feel it. But I was I was very much in the doghouse and I was not enjoying that experience. And so sort of like stirring <laughs> yes. over the coals right, for myself right. was probably right. the reason I <laughs> yes. forgot to mention it. Well, uh, just uh, to make you feel better, I just saw the first picture, first two pictures I've ever seen from my high school graduation about three weeks ago. Oh, so, well, that's good. you know, clearly either it did some damage to me and that's why I'm such a sentimental sap or I survived yeah. it okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've rambled on long enough. All right, let's get down to business. How did we leave Tyrion Lannister? Last we saw of Tyrion, he woke up from his coma to find a newly knighted Bronn paying him a visit. From there, his day only got worse. He'd lost control of the gold cloaks. His mountain clansmen had left King's Landing. Alayaya was freed, but not before being whipped. And Tommen was taken from his control. And the Kettle Black Brothers had gone over to Cersei. He paid his father a visit and asked for his reward for his role in winning the Battle of the Blackwater. Heir to Casterly Rock. Tywin shut that down with extreme prejudice. McKelly, why don't we give the summary of this one? That recap reminds me of that saying, aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the show? (laughs) (laughs) Everything went wrong for this poor guy. But it was nice to see Bron. (laughs) (laughs) He got a visitor. That's something. (laughs) Anyway, so here's the summary of this chapter. Tyrion pays an unannounced visit to Lord Varys. The eunuch's rooms are puritanically sparse, with a thin, hard bed, a flagon of water and no juicy secrets lying around. While alone, he also tried to find the secret passages that Varys no doubt uses, but again, to no avail. Varys arrives and apologizes for not visiting Tyrion while he was recuperating, but Tyrion says that it made him feel like Varys was family. Varys confirms that the new hand, Tywin, has restored Grand Maester Pycelle to the small council. Tyrion smells Cersei's influence, but Varys says that the Archmaesters of the Citadel insisted that only they can unmake a Grand Maester. Tyrion suggests more irreversible ways to remove Pycelle, and Varys agrees that those would be more in keeping with tradition. Varys also reports that Sir Boris Blunt has been restored by Tywin to the Kingsguard, so another Tywin loyalist is created. Varys asks about Tyrion's interest in Sir Mandon Moore. Bronn's investigation has revealed what it could, but Varys undoubtedly knows more. He was not well-liked by anyone. Even Sir Barristan Selmy thought he had no friends but his sword and no life but duty. Those qualities that ought to have made him the perfect Kingsguard left him far from popular. Tyrion really wants a connection to Cersei, 
some revelation that would explain why he would act as her cat's paw, but nothing is forthcoming. Tyrion moves to the matter at hand. He wants to meet Shay here in Varys' quarters. Varys is worried. He knows, of course he knows, of Tywin's threat, and that the Kettleblacks are spying on Tyrion for Cersei. He admits that he's been tasked with spying on Tyrion for his lord father. But ultimately, Varys agrees. Tyrion returns to his room to prepare for his rendezvous with Shay. That night, while making his way back to Varys' chamber, he passes Sir Loras Tyrell. Tyrion asks the newly minted Kingsguard why anyone at age 17 would give up life and love in service of the king. Loras responds that his family line will continue through his brothers, and as for love, when the sun has set, no candle can replace it. Okay. With that, Tyrion continues toward his destination. He's a real sort of like goth sort of emo type. (laughs) (laughs) Upon entering Varys' chamber, Tyrion is startled to discover a matronly woman waiting for him. Takes him a moment, but he realizes the woman is Varys in disguise. A naked Shay surprises her giant of Lannister from behind. Tyrion wants Varys to leave and is surprised to discover he already has, having left the room through secret means. At that, the pair get down to business. A minute or so later, Tyrion lay... <laughs> <laughs> Cheap gag. Well done. Oh, Tyrion lay is holding Shay. He tries to tell her that this is the end of their time together, stressing the danger she's in if her f- his father finds out. But Shay continually redirects the conversation elsewhere. One of the topics she brings up is the king's wedding. The singer, Simon, told her all about the festivities planned and she'd like to attend. Tyrion isn't having it, it's too dangerous. But he's also concerned about her interacting with the singer, who knows their association with each other. Tyrion begins hunting the chamber high and low for the secret door that Varys used to leave earlier. Shay lets him try in vain for a while before telling him it's under the bed. With that, Shay needs to return. Lollis could wake at any time and call for her. Before they part, she asks him to keep her and keep her safe. Against his better judgment, Tyrion agrees. Back in his room, he sends for Bronn, who's been a patron at Chataya's brothel, much to the annoyance of Tyrion. He tells Bronn to find Simon the singer and do so quickly before anyone else does. Yeah, that... that, It must be... I wonder if it'd be really weird for you to discover a character called McKelly in a book. (laughs) <laughs> very much it's weird it would be weird for me to discover a character called mckelly in life <laughs> yes good point <laughs> if there's any mckelly's listening please let me know i've uh have been around this planet uh for more than a few decades and i've never come across one <laughs> so but but the thing is the thing is my my namesake is an absolute i mean he's not a bad character he's a perfectly innocent singer type he is the drop of blood in the milk here. I mean, he's absolutely terrifying for Tyrion. That's true. That guy is wandering around and he absolutely knows their secret. But his name is Simon Silvertongue. And I mean, the the melodious sounds that come from his voice probably are similar to yours. I would cut that thing out if I were Tyrion. <laughs> Today. Might be one of the options it goes with. Uh-huh. But... I mean, the thing is, it's so, so dangerous, especially because Shay is so self-destructive about these things. To have invited him into the uh, Stokeworth's house 
simply reminds Simon of that. Aren't you that girl that was <laughs> right. living in that manse? You know, Hand of the now king. you're masquerading as a as a servant. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yep, that's a good point. She does not use a lot of discretion when it comes to maintaining their secret and her uh, secret identity at that. Yeah. But so Varys's chambers, there's something of a surprise. I think uh-huh. like like us, I think Tyrion envisaged feather beds and sort of frippery. Sure. That's kind of how you sort of imagine Varys's rooms to be. But yes. I think that goes to the fact that Varys is a slightly more complex character than the simple thing that you might expect of him. And so his... True. Uh, the the bed is rock hard, and he says it's for his back, and I'm I'm sure that that's partly true. Of course, we learn by the end of the chapter it's also because the bed is part of a mechanism to get in and out of the room. Right. So he may not have had a choice, but of course you could put blankets and softness on top of that bed to make it more comfortable. You so, think you you think you'd be able to have that done at some point? <laughs> yes, exactly. But I also think that. We've seen Varys in disguise and in sort of like situations where he's going to have to rough it. And so sleeping on a hard bed is probably good practice for that. You know, if you oh, yeah. if you did live your life of luxury, it would be hard then to do these missions that he goes on sort of thing. True. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I was, I was thinking, why would he have chosen... How did he end up in this room? I think it's like under the North Tower, under the North Wall or something. There's small, sparse rooms. Or I don't know if it's just one room or maybe a couple rooms. Uh, And I was thinking maybe it was chosen for a strategic location within the secret passageways. Because you you have to imagine if you're a spy master and you're picking a chamber access to the secret passageways would be pretty high on your uh, list of wants. Yes, I, I think you're probably right. It's, it's interesting, though, because because how would you use that? I mean, obviously, he gets in and out secretly. You know, it looks like he's gone to bed for the night, but he's out and about because he's used the secret passages. But does he tell his little birds about the secret passages? Does he invite them to his chambers that way? That's a good question. Does he then, a la Mago, have them murdered for knowing? <laughs> That's a good. That's a very good question. I recall I, that he, he at least has some of their tongues cut out. Hasn't that come up, or is that rumored or something? I'm trying to remember oh, the specifics. Maybe. He he has to teach maybe. them to write first. <laughs> yeah, but that that becomes that untenable. That, that feels. That feels like it's true, but at the same time, it feels out of character for Varys. I mean, Varys is stated thing is that he cares about the realm well i mean what is the realm if not the people of the realm yeah cutting out their tongues just to help keep his secrets doesn't feel like you're you're certainly not doing them any favors no not so much no so Tyrion's somewhat upset that varys uh didn't really come to see him but like he says it just makes you seem like the rest of my family so um you're not worse than he doesn't hate you more than he hates his sister and father (laughs) We do, we do, it was like the last chapter of a, last Tyrion chapter of A Clash of Kings, when he is still in the throes of the initial recovery from his accident on the, uh, with, no, I shouldn't say accident, it wasn't really an yes, accident, was it? <laughs> are, you, are you in PR for Sir Mandon Moore? <laughs> right. <laughs> his run-in with Sir Mandon Moore's sword might be the better way to put it, but uh, one of the 
you know, he had visions of his father visiting and Cersei visiting, and he had a vision of Varys and Littlefinger visiting. So it's possible that Varys, it's likely that Varys visited him when uh, he 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 was just mostly unconscious and probably doesn't remember it. <laughs> right, right. He told Tyrion back in Tyrion Two of A Clash of Kings. That was the Janus Slint dinner. Okay, right? yeah. That he told Tyrion. Basically, Tyrion asked, "Why are you so helpful to me?" And Tyrion uh, Varys said, "You are the hand. I serve the realm, the king." In you. But Tyrion's no longer the hand, so maybe Varys just no longer feels the need to uh to serve him. It was you know, it was a business it was a business transaction going on there and uh you know, that business is uh, done, I guess. Yes, yes, all true. Uh, and also, I mean, what is he doing for Tyrion here, really? He's giving him oh, a right, place to right. have a rendezvous. I was mostly just anything. referring to why Varys hadn't been coming to visit him and update him and all uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, he's busy. He's a busy man. Right. He's got a new hand to yeah. serve, as he yes. explains here in this chapter. So, Pycelle has been uh, restored to the small council. We slightly simplified that in the recap. The story is more convoluted. Because as I read it in the original in the book, I was slightly confused. It felt like the the Citadel had said, we want you to reinstate Grand Maester Pycelle, but that's not what happened. Right. They were told that Pycelle had been sent to the dungeons, so they formed a, a conclave to appoint a new Grand Maester. Right. And in that conclave, they came round to the conclusion that they were going to send Maester Gorman, which is fine. Maester Gorman might have made a very good Hand of the King. Uh, uh, Grand Maester um, at King's Landing. But here's the kicker. Uh, Maester Gorman's last name is Tyrell. Aha! He is the uncle of Lord Mace Tyrell. And when Varys, who is the Master of Spies, and he got this intel that that's who the Conclave was going to pick, told Tywin Lannister that your new Grand Maester is going to be a Tyrell, that's when Tywin said, I think that Lannister loyalist languishing in the dungeons can come back to his job yep and so that's how Pycelle landed back on the small council yes and that's very well put well summarized just to give you give everyone a quick reminder of how it was that Pycelle lost his job as Grand Maester in the first place is it all started back in Tyrion 4 of a clash of kings when Tyrion pulled the three-story trick when he told Pycelle and Littlefinger and Varys different stories to see which version got back to Cersei and then out the mole that way. And then in the next chapter, Cersei came to him, to Tyrion, furious about the plan to send Marcella to Dorne, which outed Pycelle as the mole. And then in the next chapter, now we're in, I think, Tyrion 6, at the very end of the chapter, Tyrion broke into Pycelle's chamber with Shaga and some of the other clansmen and found Pycelle naked in bed with the serving girl. And mm -hmm. and he peed himself when Shaga grabbed him and they shaved his beard off with Shaga's axe. That's why he mentions that he took his beard in this chapter. And then at that point, Pycelle started admitting to all kinds of shady business that was done in the name of the... Lannister, House Lannister. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, but 
some of the things like he admitted to allowing John Aaron to die when he could have saved him. He took Maester Coleman off of the care because Maester Coleman was doing the right things. And the reason he did it was because his argument was John Aaron was sniffing around the whole Cersei, Jamie Lannister incest thing. And then he admits to convincing King Aerys to open the gates to allow Tywin's forces in to the city during Robert's Rebellion, which led to the sack of King's Landing. And also that he would have finished off King Robert if the wounds from the boar hadn't done it for him. So, uh, but ultimately, I mean, even though those things were all done in his family's name, Tyrion had Pycelle thrown in a black cell. And then in the chapter where Tyrion turns Lancel, which is chapter seven of, or Tyrion seven of A Clash of Kings, Tyrion agrees to release Pycelle to Cersei to do as she likes with him. He just can't rejoin the small council. And that brings us up to date with Grand Maester Pycelle. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. Okay, yeah, so I think the, 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 the object lesson from all that is the danger of over-intensive interrogation. People will just confess to anything. You know, you've got to... <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily telling the truth at this point, just spilling the beans on anything they can right. think of. Really. And then I conquered the seven kingdoms on my dragon, <laughs> <Yeah>. Valerian. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all in the name of House Lannister. <laughs> but, but the interesting thing about, about Varys' discussion there with Ty- Tyrion is that he's making a point of saying that it was him that knew who was going to be elected by the conclave in Old Town uh-huh. to take over, That's which right. is both bragging that, hey, look at me, am I the master of spies or what? But also, does it cast a little bit of doubt on it? Because nobody else has any intel into what's going on there. Right? Maybe Varys doesn't either, but Varys perhaps has some loyalty to Pycelle. And so all you have to do is go to Tywin and say, hey, I've got some bad news for you. It's going to be a Tyrell. Right. And Tywin goes back to Pycelle. So I, it just, that there was that two prong thing of like, is he being a bit of a braggart or is he actually manipulating things with this story? Right. And I, as you say that, was he being a bit of a braggart? I think there, it felt like at times he was possibly showing off a little bit about how much he knew. It just felt, he just kept saying things like, is it about this? Oh, I bet you uh, are excited about Blunt being reinstated. And, you know, he, it doesn't seem necessarily in character with Varys to show off how much he knows because he parses it out so carefully. But it Mm -hmm. felt like he was almost like unloading a little bit, like, oh, I just got to tell you all these things that I know (laughs) right now. (laughs) But, but, but of course, of course, if he was making it up, then then you imagine he would keep stone. You know what I mean? If if yes, you know, he right. he doesn't have to bring attention to himself there. He could say, 
when Tywin discovered this, you know. Right. You don't need to tell Tyrion how it was discovered. Yeah. It, you know, uh, along these same lines, the, uh, the Maester Gorman, who was previously Gorman Tyrell, almost being set as the Grand Maester, and the fact that Varys found out about it, it shows that maybe Varys isn't the only one with influence inside the Citadel. Because possibly that it, it seems like the Tyrells, it, it's quite the coincidence that they almost sent a Tyrell to be the Grand Maester, especially a Mace Tyrell's uncle, not just some random offshoot Tyrell, to be the Grand Maester of, uh, of this particular situation, you know? Yes. Yes, although one thing I will say is I'm not sure how much influence Varys has. He has intel. Yes, intel. I don't think he has any influence. It seems perhaps the Tyrells have influence. Have actual and influence, you know, right. Yeah, it is in the reach, so yeah, it could definitely happen. It also, it's not inconceivable that it is just a coincidence. I mean, they, Maester Gorman may be a really good maester. May, maybe. Just destined for high things. That it's come at this moment is actually a bit of a career disaster for him because any other time he would have been welcomed with open arms, but right now the Tyrell star is shining a bit too bright to have yet one more. Uh, yes, on small council. Well put. He it very well. It's possible it could have been a coincidence, but yeah, uh, it would be it would be quite the coincidence. But yeah. like like a certain someone says, and we'll find out about that before too long. That that certain someone being the the same someone whose dream you uh you whose oh. lo, whose thoughts you plagiarized in your dream all those oh, uh, yeah. episodes ago. <laughs> that yeah, person I, said, I, "If you told me who that was, I've forgotten again." <laughs> <laughs> I will say this: it's not a character we've met yet. Oh, so, okay. Well, so, fine. uh, but that that certain someone mentioned that the fact that maesters lose their last names make them all the harder to fully trust because they're supposed to serve the house they're assigned to or king in the case of a grand maester, but they're still human with prejudices and possibly agendas of their own. So, yeah, you know, also, I mean, just taking away the sort of like the political intrigue of this, there does seem to be sort of like a, a caste system going on in the Citadel that, that, Basically, the the three candidates that Varys is aware of, one was a a Cordwainer's uh, son, and one was a Hedge Knight's bastard, and one was the uncle of the Lord of Highgarden. And, and of Paramount, the three, Lord Paramount of the Reach. Yeah. Of the three, they chose that one. <laughs> By the way, a Cordwainer is a shoemaker, oh, which is gosh. not to be confused with a cobbler. That is a shoe repair person. Oh. Good point of order. Well done. I had to look well that up because I was like, "What's a uh-huh. cord wainer?" It so. is interesting that that's a fascinating word because because you've never heard the word cord to mean shoe or wainer to mean maker. maker. Yeah. So it's a combination of two words that don't appear <laughs> to mean what they're getting at. Yep. Good point. But anyway, I, I I think it could just be a coincidence. I I the thing is, Maester Gorman must have been rising up the ranks to have even been considered, and so. It is possible that it is. It. I think probably it's more nepotism than political influence. Yeah. Yes. It could have been. Very well. Could have been. Wouldn't it be? Uh, wouldn't it be really cool to learn that 
Maester Lewin's last name was Lannister. <laughs> he grew up <laughs> Lewin Lannister. <laughs> so another person who's uh, been reinstated is Boris Blunt. And just a reminder of who Boris Blunt was, he was uh, a member of the Kingsguard. He was disgraced when he gave up Prince Tommen uh, too easily when he when t- when uh, Tyrion sent Bronn to pursue him with lots of armed clansmen. Uh, um as a result of that, he was stripped of his white cloak by Cersei because she was absolutely furious that he coughed up the prince so easily. Right. Uh, should have at least given his life, she felt. Um, but now he's been reinstated to the King's Guard by Tywin Lannister. So now, again, you've got a Lannister loyalist in a position of influence in the, in the King's Landing. But he's loyal only to one Lannister. Right. He's not going to have any fondness for Cersei or Tyrion. And I guess that's what makes him appealing to Tywin. Because exactly. either nobody else was willing to dedicate their life to Joffrey, or he saw Tywin was smart enough to see, oh, this guy's going to be only loyal to me because he's already got an axe to grind with each of my children in the city. Actually, he could complete the trio. He should make Boris Blunt the Lord Commander of the King's Guard <laughs> yes. just before Jamie gets back. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. That would be hilarious. But he so so Boris lost his spot and now is getting his spot back. Osmond Kettleblack took his spot when Boris was uh, was removed from the Royal King's Guard and now. Boris is going to take the Hound spot. Uh, of course, the Hound so, has departed. Right? Yes. Yeah. But I will say, uh, I will say that Tyrion slightly misses, misremembers how the whole thing went down. Because it wasn't actually Bronn who, uh, who grabbed Tommen. It was Jocelyn Bywater. It was back in Tyrion 11 of A Clash of Kings. Tyrion gives a letter to Bronn to give to Bywater... And Bronn asks because he can't read and he's, you know, he just, Bronn doesn't have social decorum enough to know, you don't ask what's in letters that are sealed. And Tyrion tells him to tell Bywater to disregard what was in the letter and instead take his men to lay a trap along the Rosby Road. And when he acquires Tom and to hold him safe, and that's when he says, ask him how he likes the sound of Lord Bywater. And Bronn says, Lord Bronn sounds better I could grab the boy for you myself. And Tyrion says, uh, no, I need you here. And he thinks to himself, and I don't trust you with my nephew. So he he's misremembered how he set that whole thing. He's got a lot of stuff going on, and he's had a bad accident. And it is Tyrion that misremembered, not me, right? That is correct. Yes, it was written okay. the, way you, the way you drew it up is how it was written in the chapter. Phew. Phew. <laughs> uh, I will say that Tyrion needs to be wary of Boris Blunt because, you know, his his experience with king uh, members of the Kingguard who've got an axe to grind <laughs> suggests that they're not unwilling to grind that axe into his nose. So. <laughs> Good point, yes. That's, uh, that is something he might have to keep uh, an eye out for. It's always got, yes. all, basically always got left. Can't keep a nose yes. out for it. <laughs> so Varys is curious if, if Tyrion's looking for more information on Mandon Moore. So obviously he's become aware of the fact that Bronn is researching Mandon Moore. Um, if anyone knows Mandon Moore's uh, motivation, you'd expect it to be Varys. Right, absolutely. Uh, 
but Varys is playing the party line here. He is. Uh, <laughs> he said, you know, Manda more bravely died protecting a member of the royal household. Yes, but. Uh, and then he watches he said, him with a slimy smile. It says the description was he said it with a slimy smile and then watched Tyrion sharply. Right. Yeah. So uh, maybe he doesn't know what went on, but maybe he knows something. It's he he offers up quite a bit of information about Manda Moore, but it's all stuff Tyrion already knows. But certainly, nobody's offering anything to connect Manda Moore to Cersei, which is right. the one thing that Tyrion really would like to find here. Yes that they've had an affair or she, she, he owes her something, something that would lead to a motivation for being the assassin for her. Right. Yes. And doesn't seem to be getting that. And you'd have to imagine, like you said, if anybody in King's Landing knew the reasons behind it, it would be Varys. Yeah. And again, we don't know Varys might be withholding here. Yeah. But yeah. it feels like he's in a shary mood. But like you say, he's... It's very, it's, it's really tricky to get where Varys lies now because obviously, at one point he says Tywin has me spying on you, and one of the things he must be spying on is does he have a whore in King's Landing? I want to hang her. Right. Meanwhile, Varys is actively helping Tyrion yes. and protecting. It is said whore. is become very tricky. Yes, he willingly admits that yes, I'm spying on you for your father. Right. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL, audibletrial.com slash ghostsherrenhall. You can find the link in our show notes. Um, I think part of this, by the way, I think part of Varys' motivation there is he is personally fond of Shay. Seems like it. He... We've seen him have conversations with her and be charmed by her. And so he is, uh, I think that's part of why he's keeping her safe. Yeah. If he didn't like her, I think he'd probably cough her up. That is that is very possible. Or yeah. at least use it as leverage against Tyrion. Which right. Is that is probably more likely. Yeah. So one of the other people doing some spying is the Kettleblacks. They're spying on Tyrion for Cersei. And Varys explains that that's going on in a how you might expect with Cersei. She's using her charms to lure the Kettleblacks to her side. She's sort of brushing up against them and, you know, telling, you know, doing feminine things that a, that a Kettleblack would like. Um, <laughs> Tyrion is very interested in this particular news because he thinks that maybe being Cersei and being, you know, fond of the drink, she might take it a step too far and that might give him leverage against her. Right. Uh, but, He's got no evidence of that. He's just filing it away for the future reference. Yeah. So, you know, it begs the question, do we believe that Cersei could be using sex or, as it seems, at least as far as Varys explains it, the promise of it to control Sir Osmond particularly is the one that Varys calls out. I mean, I wouldn't put it past her, but Varys could be making it sound more hopeless for Tyrion than it is. You know, like, he he rattles off a whole bunch of people who are spying for him. So he might be just trying to make it sound more dire than it well, actually I, is. I, I think he's trying to warn Tyrion towards caution. I don't think he's trying to scare Tyrion. Yeah. Apart from towards being very, very careful with Shay. 
Right, right. Well, that's true. But then, you know, do Cersei and Jamie have an open relationship like that? I mean, we've started to get Jamie's POV now in this book. And we've already seen within two Jamie chapters several times him thinking that the only woman that interests him is Cersei. He even mentions it to Cat when they uh, are talking in the the dungeon of River Run. That Cersei's the only woman he has eyes for or interest in. I'll say here that I think that extrapolating to her having sex with the Kettle Blacks with Rosmond is is completely unnecessary here. She's got enough charms to make him do exactly what she wants without going that extra step. True. That is you know, probably she, yeah, she right. could easily wrap him around her finger just with a little bit of flirting, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, true. I think you're right. Guys guys are suckers. They'll fall <laughs> flat every time. But Varys... <laughs> And then they'll just use their imagination to extrapolate the stuff that's never going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, Varys paints a pic a picture of basically everyone at court spying on Tyrion. And you know, like I was I was saying that it's possibly true, but it does remind me a bit of Littlefinger doing a similar thing with Ned when he was in Ned's chamber in the tower of the hand and looking out into the yard and picking out people who are spying for cersei and you don't know whether they really were or if if littlefinger was just trying to make ned feel like he's the only person you can trust and i wonder if maybe varus could possibly be doing a similar thing here because um yeah. he also mentions that the slint Jaina slint's sons moros Jothos and Danos, I think, or maybe those are the uh, three musketeers. I'm not sure. Are <laughs> <laughs> they the three slint blood riders? <laughs> that they are also uh, willing to spy on Tyrion to avenge their father's removal from Lord Commander of the Goldcloaks, Small Council, and Lord of Harrenhal. So it is certainly. And, uh, and lastly, this mortal coil, right? Wasn't he thrown overboard on... That was Alardim no. that uh, he, oh, he it was mentioned. Oh, yes. that's right. But yeah. yes, he was... But Janus was sent to the wall. So yeah. you, you can certainly understand why they might do that. But one thing they probably don't know, and this is just a small thing, but Tyrion did throw them a little bit of a bone that he didn't need to throw them when he had Janus sent to the wall because he allowed Morris to retain the title of Lord, and he gave him lands, just not Harrenhal, and right. he allowed Jothos and Danos to become squires, and that someday, you know, they, they follow the proper channels, they could become knights, so. And and then yeah. the other person that's mentioned is Littlefinger, who is a is always a wild card in everything, so he still might be holding a grudge for that three-story trick that... Uh, that Tyrion played on him and Varys and Pycelle. I think his story was that uh, he Tyrion wanted Littlefinger to broker a marriage between Marcella and Robert Aaron. I think was right. his story. But on the grudge off, Peter Baelish did accuse Tyrion of murdering, trying to murder Bran. Yes, Stark. that is Just... true. Uh, that's that, that, he might have one upped him on that one. <laughs> right. So, um, because Tyrion can't get to Shay anymore, he wants to meet in Varys' chambers, and as the spy master, Varys is more than happy to have his chambers used for secret liaison. Yes. <laughs> but, but of course, 
the, the die is cast here. I mean, Varys already knows. There's not much point trying to keep it from Varys. There's no... Right, you know, right, absolutely. But how... un- Unless you were trying to pretend it was over, which clearly it isn't. Tyrion right. couldn't even get through this chapter ending this yeah. relationship. So. But it's just how nice for a spy when a secret meetup takes place in your room. It's just <laughs> yeah. incredibly convenient. But honestly, if I'm Varys, I'm not even bothering listening. I'm like, yeah, I know what's going to happen there. <laughs> He's going to say, you need to be more careful. And she's going to say, jewels, gowns, (laughs) weddings. Yes. But so one thing that comes up about why Varys can't. So originally Tyrion wanted Varys to bring Shay to his, his chambers, Tyrion's chambers. And Varys says, I can't. I can't do that because Magor, the misunderstood, didn't want rats in his own walls. So uh, Magor's holdfast. All only has one secret passage, and it is an escape route secret passage in case he were to right. have ever gotten stuck there. So why this is an issue now and it wasn't before is because there's no way to get Shay from Lolly's chamber in outside of Magor's Holdfast to Tyrion's new rooms, which are inside Magor's Holdfast. And back in the day when Tyrion was the Hand of the King, there was obviously passageways that connected to the king to the hand of the king's chambers so yeah yeah, so he that's why that's why it's not possible anymore because Tyrion is no longer in the hand of the king's chambers he's now inside Maegor's Holdfast got it so on on route to seeing Shay Tyrion bumps into uh, uh, Loras Tyrell and they have a discussion about why a teenage boy would voluntarily voluntarily give up the rest of his life to become a bodyguard to a rotten king I'm paraphrasing, but that is... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was understood, though. <laughs> uh, now we now know, but nobody else does, that Jamie's was at least a deception to try and achieve something that he wanted. Right. Morris, it seems weirder, but then he has this uh, this statement about. Well, I mean, first of all, he's a third son, and so the the, the Tyrell line is not relying on him. That's reasonable, but then. There's plenty of other things. Like I think Tyrion says something like, "You some people marry and have children for the enjoyment, of right? It, you know, right, yes. Have to be for preservation of life." But then he said, "When the sun sets, no candle can replace it," and that sounds like he's talking about Renly Baratheon. That it certainly seems to be the does. One person in Loras's life who has died that might leave him bereft, and that really goes to that. That makes him sound pretty gay, honestly. Yes, I think I think that's the <laughs> logical answer here now we don't spend a ton of time around loris so it's possible he had some other major love loss that we're not aware of but the evidence that we've seen certainly supports he's talking about renly remember how loris reacted when sansa mentioned how sad she was for marjorie's loss when he was escorting her to lunch or dinner with marjorie and uh you know it's I say right, but I don't, so please oh. do tell. <laughs> she mentioned about Renly's death and how sad she was for Marjorie oh, having Marjorie. such a loss. And Loris was like, oh, yes, Marjorie, yeah. She was real broken up about it. Yeah, sure. And then he got all... It, it led down to a conversation, down the path of a conversation where he was like, he's dead. Let's not talk about it anymore. There's no doesn't do us any good talking about it, and then they walked in cold silence for the rest of the trip. So gotcha, gotcha, yeah. 
But still, I mean, uh, clearly he's grieving, but it's a major decision to um to give your to take life while you're grieving. Yeah, yeah, to to give your life for a little turd like Joffrey Baratheon. I mean, <laughs> maybe someday, Ren uh, Loris might serve a nephew or even a niece, but that's a ways off. Or a Stark. <laughs> yeah, or a, or a Stark. But, you know, or an actual Baratheon. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Loras wasn't here to see the things that Joffrey had the Kingsguard do to Sansa. So it'll be interesting to see how Loras reacts when such commands, if such commands, are ever given again to do something. Who, who were the more brutal members of the Kingsguard? Was it Mandon Moore and Boris Blunt? Boris Blunt was especially cruel and okay. uh, just just did did what he was asked, to, told to do and didn't even bat an eye about it. Yeah. He was especially... Ares Oakhart, I believe Sansa said, was almost almost looked apologetic while he did the things he was asked to do, but uh-huh. all but the Hound were asked to do things and did what they were asked to right. do. So, right. Oh, and by the way, Aemon the Dragon Knight, Tyrion says, I know what... I." He asks him, Loris, why did you... Why would you ever possibly at age 17 give your life and love... Give up life and love for uh, Kingsguard? And Loris' response is, well, the... Uh, Aemon the Dragon Knight did at 17, and your own brother Jamie did even younger. And Tyrion says, I know why those two did it, and I want to know why you did it. Now, of course, we just came from a Jamie chapter where we learned why he did it. He did it because Cersei basically kind of coerced him into, persuaded him, I should say, into doing it. But Aemon the Dragon Knight was this very oddly similar situation. He was in love with his sister Nerys. But now these are Targaryens. Incest was much more common and prevalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've mean, begun with... to take that kind of thing in my stride now, Michele. <laughs> you don't need to explain it. But Nerys was married to... Uh, was married off to Aemon's brother, who became King Aegon IV. Also a Targaryen. Yes. Yeah. And both Aemon and Nerys cried at the at their wedding at... Nerys and Aegon's wedding, and soon after, Aemon joined the King's Guard. So, okay. kind of a similar. At least in both situations, incest was involved. Yeah, but you you doubt that Tyrion knows what Jaime was up to, really? Well, that's the question, right? I mean, we learned a lot of information last week that makes you wonder. He would have been about four when Jaime left to Squire. For Sumner Craycall in five when Cersei went to King's Landing. And then we know that he worked, he's Tyrion stayed back at Casterly Rock and he was in charge of keeping the drains clean. And And we even talked to uh, Ilio and Linda about, it was one of the questions from our listeners was, when, when did Tyrion come to King's Landing before they all left for Winterfell? And that's a rather vague time frame right. there. So. Right. We don't exactly know how much time he really did spend with them when they would have been sexually active. But the first inkling that we got that he knew something was up was in Winterfell when he eyed the twins when he mentioned that Bran might live, which doesn't necessarily point directly to, oh, you guys are having a sexual relationship. 
but he thought that there might have been a reason, at least enough to eye the twins when he mentioned it. Right. And and whilst we don't know the time frames, he had been in King's Landing. He had spent time with them prior right. to this. So perhaps his suspicions were already aroused, which does go to his statement that you do think I was as blind as father. Perhaps he's saying I always suspected it because I'm cleverer than father. Right. Yes. And he said was which... past tense like he had. You're referring to the conversation that. Cersei and Tyrion had when he first came to King's Landing as Hand of the King, or acting Hand right. of the King. Yes. Do you think I was blind as father? And he was specifically referring to Ned accusing her of having sex with Jamie. So, I don't know. Um, but uh, yes, ultimately the question is, do we think that Tyrion knows the real answer to why Jamie yeah. joined the Kingsguard? Not the one that he tells people, I was 15, it was a great honor. Yeah, I mean... But Cersei played a major role in it, I guess. The the thing about it is, is even if Tyrion... Even if Tyrion's figured their secret out, to think back to the time when you were still very small, when Jaime joined the Kingsguard, and figure out that that's why he joined the Kingsguard, is, is a big leap still. Yes, true. It's also a cause and effect thing, you know? They might have become lovers because he was a Kingsguard, not the other way around. Rather than he became a Kingsguard because they were lovers, he they became lovers because he was the Kingsguard, and so he was always around her. Right. Oh, that they kept it up, is what you're saying. That it didn't fizzle out. Is that what you mean? No. Because no, I mean they were lovers before he became a Kingsguard member. That's how she talked him, kind of persuaded him into it. With right, but but I'm talking about from Tyrion's perspective. Oh he... yes, I got you now. Now Tyrion yes. he, doesn't. He know wouldn't have he known. He might not have known how she persuaded him. But yes, I get you. But not only that. But um, what I'm saying is, he might have become the Kingsguard for the same reasons as you know, whoever else, you know, becomes a King's Guard for the reasons that he says he became a King's Guard right. because it was a great honor. And later, when his sister moved there, they fell in love and started sleeping together. Yes, I get you now. He, rather than the true true, which we now know to be, they were already in love and he became a King's Guard to be near her. Right. Yes. I'm with you. I could look at it in that. <laughs> 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 so Tyrion tries to tell Shay of the dangers how she must leave the city but she keeps changing the subject uh, She she's definitely being intentionally obtuse but is she really blind to the dangers that Tywin uh, represents well it's... but the thing is is Tyrion never really tells her he just says yeah. he doesn't say my father specifically told me if he catches you he's going to hang you he says it's too dangerous with my father in the city, basically. But he doesn't say, I've been warned. And trust me, he will do it. Yeah. She does seem more concerned about sort of access to jewel silks and going to a wedding than not being hung by the neck until she's dead. Uh, <laughs> which perhaps those things are more real to her. I will also say, I, I, I'm saying those kind of flippantly, like she's kind of like a, a vociferous magpie. But in actual fact... Tyrion's brush with death would have been a wake-up call to her about the precariousness of her situation. I mean, she is... True. 
she was a successful prostitute when Tyrion met her. If Tyrion had died on the Battle of the Blackwater, she would have found herself a slightly older prostitute who is actually working as the servant of a slightly damaged girl in King's Landing. Something of a downward step, really. She she's not exactly improved her station for knowing Tyrion. You could you could certainly look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean she the nature of her work, she knows she's got a short timeline to make her fortune, you know. And so so I can be flippant about it, but she's got very good reason to care about getting hold of jewels, getting hold of a position. Oh yeah. Right, yeah. You make a good point. It. Yeah. You make a very solid point there. Now, shall we talk about Simon Silvertongue? Well, why don't we? <laughs> yeah, so he was at Shay's manse when Tyrion stopped in, and he actually, Simon, referred to Tyrion as my Lord Hand, which is catastrophically bad for everybody concerned. Those Simons. What you should call him is, hey, you're a short fella. <laughs> yes, you should. That would have been better. <laughs> Anything would have been better than by calling out <laughs> knowing, admitting that you know who he is. Now, Shay yeah. did ask Tyrion not to hurt Simon, and Tyrion agreed that she could keep him if she kept him close and he didn't go spreading tales. Unfortunately, he forgot to say the keeping him close ends when you move yes, into... He did. <laughs> yes, she could have argued <laughs> that. You keep. said keep him close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It definitely seems like he's not been keeping a low profile. And, uh, <laughs> you know, before visiting her manse away from King's, uh, away from the Red Keep, not that big a deal. Now he's mixing with members of court. That definitely, as you were saying at the beginning of our discussion, seem, feels like a step up in the concern department here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just takes one misplaced word i mean right yes because you have to imagine random singer running around the pot shops of king's landing saying that he sings for the hand's mistress probably not a, a major probably not likely to make it back to the wrong ears you right. same guy running around the red keep doing that that might get cersei tywin littlefinger etc I give it about <laughs> 10 minutes before one of them hears it. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. The other thing is it puts a lot of pressure on Varys because the one thing Varys doesn't want to happen is for Tywin to hear it from somebody else. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because Varys is the, the master of whispers. Yes. There right. not be anybody else that comes up with that information. Good point. So Varys might help Tyrion here to silence Simon. Good point. Yeah, good point. Doesn't want to make him look bad, have him shown up. By Littlefinger, or Morris Slint, for that matter. But Tyrion, he spends a, a lot of time trying to find the secret passage in this room. Seems rather fixated on it. And, you know, the question is, why? Why does it matter? There's, there's a few possibilities. He could simply be curious. Probably. <laughs> uh, you know, just to understand where they lead. Maybe... Uh, in a, in a, as a means to better prevent Tyrion uh, Varys from spying on him. But the thing about where they lead is, well, they lead out. Once you're <laughs> out of that room, you can go anywhere yeah, you right. want, you know? <laughs> so, so if you are interested, it might be more on the, you want to know how to get in there, perhaps. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, right, right. 
Also, maybe he wants to do his own spying. Maybe he wants to find meeting places with Shay himself and wants to cut Varys out of the whole picture. Yeah. So this is the second chapter in a row when a Lannister brother has been manipulated to do something that he didn't really want to do by sex. Um, and, you know, if you've got, you got to crumble, <laughs> there are worse ways to go. But yes, I mean, last week, last time, Jamie. uh Joined the King's Guard, gave up his life, his right. inheritance, everything right. for, for love. And now uh, Shay basically just knows how to push Tyrion's buttons to not hear what, he's, what he wants to tell her. Right. Because yes. he doesn't even bother telling her because he's too busy being smitten by her. Yes, and she, she calls him all the things that she knows he wants to hear. My giant, my giant of Lannister, my lion... He starts trying to tell her of the dangers, and she inter- she just completely interrupts and says, I like your scar. It makes you look very fierce and strong. So, you know, the, those are all things that Tyrion is self-conscious about, and she knows yeah. how to make him feel better about such things, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, ultimately, it means that Tyrion's need to be loved is trumping his need to keep Shay safe. But, of course... His 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 love will come to an end if Shay is not saved. That's true. Yes, that's true. It you know it just you can feel how badly he wants love of really any kind. There's a line when they're laying there together, and he said, thinks it feels so good to hold her and to be held. It the the poor guy can't even find love and adoration or admiration. I mean, from the people. There's a line that Varys delivers that goes, you're conspicuous and not well-loved. Ouch. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, and he, he certainly knows that Tywin's serious about the potential punishment Shay might face. I mean, both Taisha and Alayaya can vouch for um, Tywin's brutality. Yes, and that he's not messing around. Yeah. It would be, you'd have to imagine it would be awfully hard for Tyrion to sleep at night knowing he let Shay manipulate him to put her life on the line and then something does happen to her. You know, that would be, yeah. that would be a really hard one to get over. And on the subject of Alayaya, Tyrion is irked that Bronn is sleeping with her. T- Bronn is happy that in his newfound status, he can go to the better brothels. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it feels like he, Tyrion just, he doesn't have a, I think even he thinks in the chapter, he doesn't have a real good reason to be upset about it. It's just that even even though Tyrion wasn't actually having any sexual interaction with Ali Yaya, Bronn doesn't know that. And so Bronn should not have been going to the same woman that Tyrion went to. I think he feels maybe some connection to her maybe some protection toward her yeah i think i think also Tyrion has this possession soft possibly spot. yeah Tyrion has a soft spot for prostitutes i mean that's right. part of his problem yes. You know? yes and he wants them all to be safe and protected and loved you know right and he doesn't want a brute like bron sleeping with alayaya that's true alayaya yeah. being a prostitute does want a brute like bron who's got money to sleep with her right right yeah nature of the game so um Bronze to summon Simon. Uh, what what to do with him? I gotta say, in my role playing game of this uh, chapter, as my role as Tyrion, 
I am chopping Simon up into a million pieces and flushing him <laughs> down the sewers, which I could keep going very well because right. I've got experience. Because you've got experience in that department. <laughs> I, I, I'm a nice person, but this guy's got to go. Yeah. Sorry. I don't care that I promised Shay I wouldn't. That promise is over now. Yeah, he first thinks Bronze says, what do you want me to do with him? And he first thinks, kill him. And then he thinks, eh, he hasn't really done anything except for fill Shay's head wedding parties and stuff and such yeah, yeah. he dies no, <laughs> he no dies. messing about no I'm bribery sorry. no sending him away no, no nothing, putting him in a dungeon nothing <laughs> and and i would i would explain it to him rationally you know i'd look, i'd be like look you've got to die for the following reasons i'm really sorry i'd make sure he was like chained to a chair so he starts <laughs> rattling at that point but you know oh, I, i'm oh, sorry man. that I, i'm sorry that i so desperately want to kill simon <laughs> well, maybe maybe you should see someone about that. <laughs> <laughs> do you have some background for us? I do. Well, so Tyrion mentioned that King Magor's headsman removed three grandmasters from service to the king. But he had the number right, but turns out Magor was more like Ned Stark than anyone could have ever thought. In re- Not me. <laughs> In reality, it was Magor who swung the sword for at least two of the three Grandmasters. The first was Grandmaster Gawain, who vocally protested Magor's claim to the throne, despite Magor's nephew, Aegon, being the clear heir to his father, King Aenys. Um, I, I would be careful how you phrase that, McKelly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say to Magor that... Uh... Uh, Aegon was the clear heir. <laughs> I would say that Grandmaster Gawain claims, claims that. that's how that went. <laughs> Just if Magor's around, <laughs> you, you wouldn't want to be misunderstood. Right, right. Uh, in his response, in Magor's response to these complaints, he beheaded Gawain with the Valyrian steel sword of legend, Blackfire. Next came Grandmaster Myris. Myris? I guess? Myris? He, too, made the questionable choice of vocally protesting a decision of the king. When King, now King, Magor announced he planned to take a third wife, Tyana of the Tower, while still married to the first and second queens, Myers objected. His objections also earned him a date with the king's sword Blackfire. And then Magor married Tyana anyway. Although it is said that he had to execute a dozen septims before he found one who would perform the ceremony. Again, Magor is not hard to understand. <laughs> you, you make a good case. <laughs> Do exactly what he wants and everything will be fine. <laughs> Just don't deviate. It's not like Myers. Myers, I mean, was he not aware of like the most recent history of the people in his role? The guy he don't replaced? Disagree. Exactly. <laughs> And those septons, he must have gone to them individually. Because if you think if he lined all 12 up, like 13 of them up, <laughs> it got all the way to the last one. <laughs> it was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. You, you know what it was? He did a, He did that. He had all 13 of them in a line, yeah? And he started from the left. And guy number four ran to the end to be number 13. <laughs> he looked over at the to guys him, next like, to him. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody else is here to hear it. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> That's right. Who's going who's gonna to look down upon him? The rest of them are all dead. <laughs> anyway, the last 
Grand Maester was poor Grand Maester Desmond. The Maester helped Queen Alice Haraway, Megor's second wife, with the birth of her child, but the child was born stillborn, eyeless, and twisted. And in his anger, Megor had everyone involved in the Queen's care, including Grand Maester Desmond, killed. Only the Queen's two sisters were spared, although their fates weren't so great either, but we'll get to them another day. Okay, that one doesn't feel like it's anyone but Megor's fault, but... (laughs) Maybe he read the reports from the room and it seemed like mistakes were made. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, him some slack. I, I will say he does get some um, he does get some information from a uh, a source. Oh, yes, I do know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes. All right. Comparison with the television show. Uh, the conversation with Shay happens and goes mostly like it does in the book. He tries to warn her. She basically ignores. There's no conversation of this ilk with Varys. Because Tyrion and Shea are far more cavalier in the book. They're constantly just going off to see each other. And it's kind of, uh, it's, it lacks the kind of like the threat, the existential threat that we feel in the book. Okay. <laughs> pedantry Corner. There's a one word pedantry and I don't know what this is about. So, <laughs> so Shay gets the, this information from Simon Silvertongue about all the amazing things that will go on at Joffrey and Marjorie's oh, wedding. I know where you're headed with this. <laughs> and one of the things that she's so enthralled with is that she says that a certain amount of birds are going to be baked into a pie, and then when the pie is open, the birds are going to fly out. And I thought, I think the pie will be baked first, and then the birds will be put in. If they bake the birds into the pie, those birds aren't going to fly anywhere. <laughs> So I think uh, maybe she got her information uh, mixed up a bit there. See how unreliable that Simon Silvertongue <laughs> right, is? Right, exactly. Trust anything. <laughs> All right. News and notes. In possibly the most unsurprising news of the year, <laughs> HBO have picked up House of the Dragon for a second season already. The first episode had 10 million live viewers. Uh, which breaks a record for that network for its show premieres, on par with the premiere of season six of Game of Thrones. Uh, since opening night, the episode has picked up an additional 10 million sets of eyeballs. Uh, some not so great news to go along with that is that with filming time and post-production work, it's likely we won't see season two until 2024, but hey. It's coming. Just yeah. might take a while. So savor this. Watch each episode three or four times. Of course, because if it takes this long to film the second season, they might as well not change the actresses to actresses that were just eight years older than them for the <laughs> aging process, which doesn't make any sense to me. I've been telling everyone that Alison T- Hightower is from my hometown. She's not. <laughs> older Alison oh, Hightower okay. is from my hometown. <laughs> yes. Before we was this before we started recording? You, before yeah, we started, you recording, were telling yes, me about yes. why you think this doesn't make any sense. I, I think it doesn't make any sense. So, so look at Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra is a 22-year-old actress playing a 15-year-old child. Seven years. Okay. Seven years gap. She's going to be replaced by a 30-year-old actress playing... I don't know how old she's supposed to be at that point. But she's playing someone seven years older. She's being replaced by someone who is eight years older. Right. So if, she, if that person is playing their own age, then the current... The, the 22-year-old actress could do both. Surely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, feels like it seems strange to me I, and, I and plus i've kind of like really fallen for that rhaenyra as well the 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 older rhaenyra is gonna have to do a good job because i really like that rhaenyra she's she's 
she's got that sort of like Targaryen look, that sort of steely determination. Yes, she thing. does. She does. I felt that way about Claire Foy, the young Elizabeth in the Crown. I, I was, I quite fancied her, and I was afraid when they when <laughs> no. they moved on from no, her, I was going to be like, oh no. But it was, it all worked out okay in the end. Who replaced her? Was that Olivia Coleman replaced her? I can't remember now. I watched it. Too. Olivia Coleman became her, but I wasn't sure if there was someone in between. I think it was Olivia Coleman. Okay. But she was good too. I mean, yes. plus more age appropriate as well. Yes. It made sense. It worked out all right. Uh, so also, in an interview with Martin that the uh, Wall Street Journal did, he admitted that he lobbied for Game of Thrones to run at least 10 seasons, if not as many as 13 to give the story more time to conclude properly, which some might argue it did not. <laughs> he lost that battle, obviously, with the series creators Benahoff and Weiss, as the show only went eight seasons. He added that he feels he has more influence over House of the Dragon than he did Game of Thrones, but then Game of Thrones ran past his A Song of Ice and Story, as we all know, whereas The Dance of the Dragon, that... House of the Dragon, the story of House of the Dragon is based off of, was concluded in the book Fire and Blood. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, so there's less speculative stuff to come. Right, yeah, it's, it's, yes. It's known. Yes, mm-hmm. he can say, um, don't stray from my words. <laughs> yes, so I will say that with the cast that they had, keeping together, keeping together that cast for eight seasons was a minor miracle. Yeah, you're right. Keeping it yeah. together for 13 seasons, you'd have had to change the actors every season. Been like Doctor Who? Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of House of the Dragon. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Uh, So, let's conclude. Uh, Varys admits to spying for Tywin on Tyrion. Uh, Does that make it any more dangerous to keep Shay around? Possibly. Like I say, I think pressure will build on Varys to reveal this. Yeah. To not let anyone else be the one to reveal this if Tyrion and Shay can't be a little bit more discreet. Yeah, that's a good point. And, I mean, we got to, we know, Tyrion knows, that Tywin is not exaggerating when he says what he will do to Shay. He says he will hang her. I tend to believe he will actually hang her. Honestly, she'll have got off lightly compared to Tysha. Yes. So, yes, you know, well. Yeah. Probably what he means is, when I finished with Shay, I will hang her. Okay, yeah, yeah that. That makes it even significantly worse. And, you know, that, yes. oh, yeah. that basically comes down to, are we headed for a Taisha 2.0? And Tyrion even thinks to himself, after he agrees to keep her and try to keep her safe, he thinks, fool. And he thinks about, how could I do this, knowing what happened to Taisha? I will say that um, the significantly worse thing, my policy with Tywin Lannister is to assume the worst. Right. And rarely will I be disappointed, I feel. Solid. Solid advice right there. Solid logic. Is Simon nothing to worry about? Or is he tomorrow's mince pie? <laughs> He's going to be baked in that king, in that wedding. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the birds are like, there's a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, there's three things you could do to help us. You could leave us a review. Um, we appreciate those. Uh, you can buy some merchandise at ghostsofharrenhall.threadless.com. You can buy us a cup of Arbogold at buymeacoffee.com slash ghostsharrenhall. Or become a sustainer at the Lord Paramount or Knight of the Realm level. Uh, we are very grateful to those who've already become sustainers. 
That we absolutely do. And, of course, you can always reach us at ghost.heronhall at gmail.com. Go out and follow us on Twitter, at ghostheronhall. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.